Hey, Rachel, how was your week? How are you feeling? You doing good? Um, excuse me, but that's a HIPAA violation right there. A HIPAA? That's like your privacy of your health records? That's not HIPAA. All I know is what I learned from Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> I knew that was kind of... When she was asked whether or not she was vaccinated. And she, she... said that's a HIPAA violation. And yeah. so... Maybe it You're is. not allowed to ask me about how I'm feeling. No, okay, no I'll move on. Not. I'll move on. Okay, I'll be more careful when I ask in the future. Okay, this is nope. The podcast where we shut it down. We're just a couple of New York Jews talking about the news, beating back the blues. We made a podcast and news why had to laugh so we don't cry. Come and join us for the ride. Welcome to No. Okay, Rachel, once again, uh, we're back every other week. I've been enjoying the weeks we have off, but I enjoy even more the weeks we have on. We have and, on, I know. And, I know, and you know why fun. I'm enjoying tonight is because we have the Summer Music Series. And, of course. And this week, boy, we pulled one from the archive. This this one is so <laughs> I don't obscure. even know what to say about it. <laughs> I'd never even heard of this song. Um, but I was just, you know, I do my research for this. Most of them are like drawn from the bowels of the memory of my lonely 80s childhood. And this is one, I don't know how, I was in some YouTube wormhole and I stumbled across it. It is Liberian Girl by Michael Jackson. And if you don't know what that song is, stay tuned to the end of Consider the podcast. Consider yourself lucky. <laughs> you are about to learn more than you ever wanted to know about Liberian, about Liberian girl. <laughs> okay. Rachel, anything interesting happened this week? So this week I went to a carnival of the damned um, <laughs> located in the ninth circle of hell. And by that, I, I mean Suffolk County, Long Island. Okay. <laughs> So, okay, carnivals. I hate carnivals. I don't know why I agreed to go to this, but Stephanie's here. She's my sister. She's from Germany. She got this bee in her bonnet that we She's should not take from the... Germany. She's from Long Island. Like <laughs> she's she's from... from, yes, of course. She, <laughs> she's now German. from Germany. <laughs> she hails most recently from Germany. Sie kommst aus Deutschland. Okay, if you say so. Okay. Okay. So she got a bee in her bonnet that we should take the kids to this carnival. And I have not been, and I was like, okay, fine. I haven't been to a carnival since I was a kid. And I think I blocked it out, but I had this traumatic incident happen to me when I was a child at a carnival. I was oh. waiting online to go on the Ferris wheel and a carny burped in my face and it like <laughs> it smelled like mustard hot and hot dogs and like I vomited and I think I, until I entered this carnival I hadn't remembered that for a long long time and I look around me and there's like MAGA hats everywhere we're like based nobody's wearing a mask we're like bathing in COVID it's like really hot the rides look like they're rusty and falling apart and honestly by the end of the night I could have taken my family to per se for dinner for what <laughs> we wound up expensive. spending <laughs> it's like six bucks a person to go on a ride so each like silly stupid ride wound up costing us like $72 for all of us and we went on like five of them and then there's legalized gambling because the kids are lured by these gigantic stuffed animals but they're not even eligible to receive them unless there's like nine competitors in a row playing
playing the game. So if it's just like AJ and, the and Valentina are, the odds are stacked against them, right? There's no exactly. possible way to win. It's like there's uh, no way to win. So they can win like a tiny little like squiggly eel that you pay like fifteen dollars for, and then they could trade in the eel to go for like a bigger gift. But then they lose the eel. So I spent like and this makes so no economic money. sense because the cost of goods for the carnies is very small. I mean that <laughs> squiggly little eel <laughs> that's cost about three cents for them yes. to make wholesale. Yes, and I'm paying like fifty. $15 for it. So at a certain point, I said to my sister, I'm going to kill myself. We have to get out of here. <laughs> and we so, escaped. So there you so, go. So well, you I was going to no say, to you should never, you should never go to a traveling carnival because the ride, how good could those rides be? They're like, ride, they're being like in a trailer truck on the Long Island Expressway. But then I realized. Taken apart, put back together. I know. All carnivals are, are traveling yeah. carnivals. All I can yeah. think of is the final scene of Love, Simon. And that brings me back to the. Happy place for carnivals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that well. was sweet. Okay, anyway, let's move on to something less pleasant, which is why the podcast is called Nope. Um, Rachel, you normally do the dry heaves, which is the, the the dry, empty, retching sensation you get after you vomited out Donald Trump. Yes. But for some reason, this week, I wound up with the dry heaves. I, I assigned have, it to you. I, I feel have, like you're ready to take it on. I'll leave the nest. <laughs> I used to be just <laughs> fly, birdie, fly. I used to be just the stupid stories. So I'm stepping up to the plate. And because I'm nervous, um, I'm going to start with something that makes me comfortable, um, makes me feel safe, that everybody can agree on. It's the U.S. Constitution. So oh, I'm going yeah. to read a passage from everyone's favorite article and section, Article 1, Section 2. It's a very brief passage with only one misspelling or one 18th century spelling. Uh, it's very simply, it's almost lyrical. The House of Representatives shall choose their speaker and other officers and shall have the sole power of impeachment. And they cho they spell choose C-H-U-S-E, which oh. is either that's how they did it then and it was quaint or they're illiterate. So who knows? Um, but anyway, it's pretty clear, right? House of Representatives shall choose their, their speaker, right? Pretty clear to anyone who can read. And yet, so they elect a congressman to be speaker. And I should not be surprised, you should not be surprised that some people can't read, just the same way they can't read the Second Amendment. So some months back, there began to be murmurings of this zany plot that if uh -huh. somehow, somehow the GOP could retake the House next year, which is not impossible, they could impeach and remove Biden and Harris and Pelosi would no longer be the speaker, and they could install Donald Trump as the speaker of the House without being elected to Congress because of the alleged ambiguity of Article 1, Section 2. It just says you can choose someone. So you could choose— It could be anybody. It no, could be... living or dead. It could be Michael Jackson, for all <laughs> okay. I know. You okay. can choose somebody. Like so he's not even an elected official. Not even mention a congressman. So how's that for undemocratic, right? I mean, like just yeah, pick a person. That's ridiculous. Right? That's ri and I've heard about this this ridiculous plot. It had to have like hatched from the demented well, uh, mind of like Rudy Giuliani, right? Well, very close. It hatched <laughs> okay. in the demented mind of Steve Bannon. <laughs> okay, but it was the less extreme version. So this was back in February. He actually suggested that Trump run for Congress and actually be in Congress. Um, and then become the speaker. But there is a glitch with that, which is that the district that Trump lives in, in, in Southern Florida, is actually a Democratic district and went seven points for Biden. So he probably could not win his own district to actually become 
the congressman from there, but that would not stop him at all. So who would come up with the crazy plot of making him speaker without becoming a congressperson? And that would be Matt Gates. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So he floated this idea at a very impartial group of people, just to kind of like pressure test it, a little focus mm-hmm. group. He, he floated it at a Trump rally in Sarasota. And what he said was, after the next election cycle, when we take back the House, when we send Nancy Pelosi back to the filth of San Francisco, my commitment to you is that my speaker, vote for speaker, will go to Donald J. Trump. Um, I love how when they're trying to elevate him, they always say Donald J. Trump. Um, yeah. As it's the middle initial. It doesn't like, help. That it man, doesn't. <laughs> that man, it neither helps want, nor hurts. <laughs> say what you want about that man. He has a middle initial. <laughs> That's his sole redeeming quality. That's like, his signature. It's <laughs> a signature letter. <laughs> um, so um, to get Trump's reaction, he was on this radio show, I guess this AM radio show, for this guy, Wayne Allen Root. Have you ever heard of this guy? He's a super, super right wing guy. Yeah. So here was his suggestion. So he said to Trump, why not, instead of waiting for 2024 and running for president, and I'm hoping you'll run in 2024, but why not run in 2022 for the United States Congress, a House seat in Florida? Win big. Lead us to a dramatic landslide victory. Take the House by 50 seats, and then you become Speaker of the House. Lead the impeachment of Biden and start criminal investigations against Biden. You'll wipe him out of this for the last two years. And Isn't Trump- that like the CEO of a company just like getting ousted and then coming back and interviewing for a job as like regional <laughs> manager, manager of the Mid-Atlantic? <laughs> in Scranton, right, exactly. So um, and so what was Trump's response to this full-throated, you know, incredible theory of how he could return to, to power? He says, that's so, that's so interesting. And then Root goes, do it. You'll be a folk hero. And Trump goes, yeah, you know, it's very interesting. But you know what? Your idea might be better. It's very interesting. So that's right, classic Trump. Like, he, it, it, it may, it may not. I've heard. Could be interesting. That's what he says when he, like, hears a plan that he had never really thought about before and is suddenly like, oh, I could commit more crimes. And <laughs> it's like, wait, but I have to figure out which, exactly, exactly which crimes. Wait, I cannot <laughs> commit until I've asked Alan Weisselberg if the crimes, crimes I will commit is commensurate with the trouble it will take to actually be in Can Congress. Can I scale this? crime yeah <laughs> is this scalable is this, is this venture backable <laughs> so then at some point our national hero kevin mccarthy the speaker in waiting endorsed the idea of Kev- of uh, trump c- coming to congress somehow and becoming the speaker and then when he realized what he had said he backpedaled. he's firing himself <laughs> right right <laughs> he backpedaled and said that trump actually wants mccarthy to be speaker and there was no evidence of trump having said this um he just you know realized look if you're gonna gaslight you might as well gaslight everyone right so yeah so everyone it's just a gaslighting a carnival a carny of gaslighting people burping in your face um (laughs) right right. and uh so a democratic uh representative from pennsylvania brendan boyle um 
introduced something called the Members Act. And for some reason, Members is all in, in all caps, which seems a little off-putting. It's like, Members Act. It um, seems like like they're talking about, like, dicks. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> well, it sort of is. <laughs> like, sort of. No amendment to the Constitution. No member, <laughs> all caps, shall be elected like, speaker, nor any member. other federal <laughs> office. <laughs> So Gates had a um, very detailed uh, reply to this that he tweeted out, and it was very well thought out. He uh, tweeted two words, they're scared. Um, and that just Did happened he spell yesterday. there, right? <laughs> yes. Well, okay, someone, more, someone, that's big. That's big for <laughs> Someone must have proofread it for him because... It was no kafefe. He uh, okay. So okay, okay that, that's kind of like where I leave off this story. But it made me zoom out a little bit and make made me realize how much disproportionate hate there is on Nancy Pelosi. And I am just you know, I, it's not that confusing because it's because she's a woman and a very powerful woman. But uh, like now that and I'm an older thinking, woman and an older woman, and now that I'm looking at through this lens, I'm looking at this whole you know January sixth hearing with the Capitol Police and and talk about gaslighting. They're now saying that January sixth was her fault, her fault because yeah. she didn't call in the National Guard and she's you know the Capitol Police didn't do their job and she's blocking them from testifying. And what nobody even bothered to fact check is that she's not even in charge of the Capitol Police. She has nothing to do with it. So Jim Jordan was just saying, why wasn't there a proper security president at the presence at the Capitol that day. Only one person can answer that question. Only one, the Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives. I mean, talk about gaslighting. Why is I everybody mean, acting like the Speaker of the House is the most important <laughs> job in, in the, the country? World, in the country. I don't know. She's the, because she's an easy target. And you know who they hate just as much is Kamala Harris, right? Yeah. Because oh, totally. she didn't go to the border. She did go to the border, but didn't, whatever. Meanwhile, Melania Trump went to the border and wore that, like, fuck you designer dra- jacket. Wasn't that say, like, yeah, it like had like a middle finger and it was like, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> yeah, no, it I said, know, like, it said, <laughs> I don't like, care. I don't do care you. what you think. <laughs> I don't care what you think. Right. Exactly. I mean, this is Nancy Pelosi has now become the most controversial speaker in the history of the House in what is basically a parliamentary role. And let us not forget that not 15 years ago, the speaker of the House was Denny Hastert, who was a fucking child molester, (laughs) literal pedophile, went went to jail. And if you ask if you ask Jim Jordan, I bet you Jim Jordan doesn't even know who Denny Hastert is like. Oh, I'm sure he does i mean he's jim jordan is the one who let the whole ohio state wrestling scandal oh that's right i forgot on his watch he let it yeah so he's complicit he's complicit he's disgusting yeah okay well that's my dry heaves how did i do rachel you did okay i i think like yes it was room for improvement, but, but no. But good. I'm, I'm but a okay. mere, I'm but a mere apprentice to your greatness. Okay, okay let's move on to okay, your. Okay, let's move to on to the real nope. So let's talk about the Olympics. Um, I know you know this about me, but for someone who has zero interest in sports, I love the Olympics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every time they're on, I just have Olympic fever. But this year, I'm confused because, <laughs> first of all, didn't it 
just kind of sneak up on us. Like I wasn't like mentally well, prepared first, for the it's Olympics. A, it's in the wrong year for starters. It's in the wrong year. Yes. So it was supposed to be last year, but it got postponed because of COVID. So here we are in 2021 and the stands are pretty much empty because we're still dealing with COVID, but too much money has been spent. So we have to go through this whole schmagoo. And even before it started, it was a disaster because we cannot have nice things, you know? So we need look no further than the organizing committee of the host country to see what a debacle this whole thing is. On the day before the opening ceremonies, the Japanese Olympic Committee fired the opening ceremonies creative director, Kentaro Kobayashi, after a video of one of his sketch comedy routines went viral on Twitter and showed that he'd made a joke about the Holocaust. So, okay, there's so many questions here, but why does the creative director of the Japanese (laughs) Olympic Committee have like a moonlighting job as a sketch comedy performer? Or or if he was a sketch comedy performer, why is he running the Olympics, right? Although a, a comedy performer is running... Ukraine and a reality TV host was running the U.S., so it's in keeping. It's uh, they're, they're right. It's possible that those two things could intersect, but I yeah. guess the bigger issue is like when are people going to learn that jokes about the Holocaust are not Very, jokes? You're not accounting for cultural differences. It's not. As if, <laughs> okay. It's not as if Japan. Japan had anything to do with World War II, right? Like right. They were, right. They, they, were totally... they were a neutral, a neutral party. <laughs> they had nothing to do with it. They didn't enslave anybody. They didn't inflict any war crimes on anybody. Their hands were clean. So it's they have carte blanche to to go go at it at the Holocaust. But it's so Kobayashi, like like this whole thing is just the tip of the iceberg. So Kobayashi's firing followed the resignation of Kigo Oyamada, who was the composer who was writing the music for the opening. <laughs> Which ceremony. you would think is a pretty non-controversial it's like role. A, yes, I mean, like the creative like the, director, the, the composer, like the da- it's what? like the David Foster of the of the job, of the, of the Tokyo Olympics. Yes. So why did this guy resign? Well, a series of magazine interviews from the 1990s resurfaced in which Oyamada bragged about forcing one of his disabled classmates to eat poop and publicly masturbate. Yes, you heard that right. Podcasters, Um, you can't see me covering my face (laughs) in the biggest cringe in the history. Yes cringes so it's it's not like this information was not out there all they had to do was like a press clipping search and, these and that, magazine is, that is articles. also not like oh the times have changed that used to be okay and now <laughs> it's like oh everyone had slaves back then everybody no <laughs> everybody forced their classmates to publicly masturbate and eat poop okay so and the worst thing about it is that this person was not fired <laughs> he resigned under pressure but he was like they didn't yeah, so they fire left him. him a gracious out they're like yes we'll, we'll, whatever failure with honor they should have hired jim steinman to do this because he would He's do anything. dead <laughs> <laughs> presumably other than this is composed before he died but he's obviously not very busy with meatloaf hits. 
in heaven. Um, but back to Kobayashi, the creative director. So Kobayashi was actually the second person hired as creative director for the opening and closing ceremonies. The first was a person named Hiroshi Sasaki, and he resigned in March after a Japanese magazine <laughs> reported that one of his ideas... <laughs> had been for comedian Naomi Watanabe, a plus-sized woman, to dress up in a pig costume, an idea he christened the Olympic. Okay? And so Naomi Watanabe was not so into that. And so here we have just okay, these three let's... examples, the whole spectrum of biases. We have anti-Semitism, we have ableism, we have bullying, we have weight discrimination. But surprisingly, we don't have sexism, but we do. <laughs> Wait for it. Stay right there. So, so the president of Japan's organizing committee is a seven-time Olympian named Seiko Hashimoto. She was named to that role in February after her predecessor, former Japanese Prime Minister Yoshiro Mori, resigned after saying that women talk too much in meetings. <laughs> right. so, women don't talk enough in meetings. I know. <laughs> I can what? only, yeah, I mean, women definitely do not talk. <laughs> no, not nearly enough. enough. I certainly didn't. So, okay, so here we have a whole cornucopia of every, we have every sport, we have every <laughs> form of discrimination on display before the Olympics even began. So congratulations, Japan. <laughs> and it's so funny because I think of Japan as such a, like, uh, the culture. Prim and One of proper. its great virtues. It, I love yeah. that. I, you know, the, the Japanese, the people I know from Japan are delightful people who are very polite and deferential. And But this is out of character. They're very rule-abiding as a society. But, yeah, this is, it's wild, isn't it? It's, um Yeah. It's it's fascinating, but nope, nope to Japan on that. But so there's more though. So yes. nobody even knows how to watch the Olympics. They're they're in full swing. And this has nothing to do with Japan and everything to do with NBC. So NBC over the weekend said that ratings for the opening ceremony of the Olympics hit a 33-year low, cratering to 17 million people. And this is NBC's fault because this Peacock Fakakta streaming service that promised all access to the Olympics is totally screwed up. I know, Brian, you mentioned that you and Doug yeah, were Doug, dealing with this, right? Doug tried to watch the Olympics. He was hopeful to catch uh, men's diving, which is of particular <laughs> interest to this household. Um, and it was on women's soccer, which is a perfectly nice sport, not one that's of particular interest to him. And he kept trying to switch and find it, but it kept taking him back to women's soccer, women's it, was soccer. Like a, it was like a mobius strip like an infinite loop that he couldn't get out of it was like a time loop or a i'm looking for the metaphor but you know what i mean it's just, he couldn't and get well out i think it. we yeah. had that loop too except instead of going to women's <laughs> soccer it went to the triathlon <laughs> like over like a two-day period and that's all you could in, get with the triathlon <laughs> all we could get was the triathlon and like we wanted to Did you show try like age... multiple channels like peacock yes, and usa it was just and... triathlon everywhere or just like these little short vignettes about like you know, biographies <laughs> like the like this 13 year old girl who is like a gymnast competing for italy and she seems great you know but like enough already with enough. the italian girl <laughs> gymnast and then like we wanted to show a 
AJ women's gymnastics, but all we could see are like clips of Simone Biles. And like, with all due respect to Simone Biles, I wanted to see all of them, you know, and they were only showing us that. And so I I don't know that that was a suboptimal. That's a great example of like NBC. You have one job. Show us the fucking Olympics. You have one job. And not only do you have one job, but you had like an extra year (laughs) to to prepare for this. (laughs) You launched an entire streaming service in the year that it took for you to figure this out and they couldn't get it right. And they couldn't get it right. And so like they're, they're advertising it as the place to go for all things Olympic, but they're only live streaming certain events, uh, including gymnastics, track and field and men's basketball. And if fans miss the live stream, they have to wait many days to catch the replays. For example, the women's gymnastics all around final aired on Tuesday morning at 6.45 a.m., but the replay isn't going live until July 31st. Why? <laughs> At which point, like, we'll be ready for the Super Bowl. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the New York Post had this user complaining of having forked over $9.99 for the ad-free experience only to be forced to watch <laughs> blank screens where the commercial breaks had been. <laughs> well... As advertised, like, no ads. No, no ads. It's pretty hard to make an ad-free experience worse than the ad experience, but congratulations, NBC. You have somehow done it. And um I think yeah, that's actually a good solution for us because nobody wants to advertise on our podcast. We could just pretend we have an ad. We could we could sell like have a Patreon or an up a, a premium version of Nope without the ads. And then just have dead air for just silence. silence. The sound of silence. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a relief for us. We get to pour a drink. So yes. in real time. Okay. Yeah. You, you heard a... it here first. We're doing that. Okay. So <laughs> okay. So then the opening ceremony itself. Like we haven't even gotten to the actual events yet. So did did you watch did you watch the opening I ceremony? I watched nothing. I've seen okay. nothing. Okay, well, I love the opening ceremony because it reminds me of when I went into labor during the opening (laughs) ceremony of the Sochi Olympics. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes. Um, So (laughs) it's great. It's good. Good memories. Um, So once we figure. You know, I don't remember when you were born. I don't remember when AJ was born. I don't remember anything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I just remember being in like intense pain and our friends were over and we're watching the Olympics and Josh was like, come on, like, you're fine. I was like, no, I'm I'm actually not i'm definitely having a baby right now um okay so so once we figured out how to stream the opening ceremony we were totally pumped but like the whole experience made me sad because the only person in the stands was like jill biden you know and we have all these japanese interpretive dancers on stage and it felt like a dress rehearsal you had like this like very talented guy tap dancing you had this beautiful woman singing in this wild dress but like the stands were totally empty and then and then oh this was the craziest we had pictograms okay so there's like this five minute long performance (laughs) where these performers wearing these like spherical heads almost they they became like they they were like the blue man group, but with oh, yeah. like spheres on their heads, they became human pictograms, which are like those little figures with the ball heads. And they portrayed 50 different uh, athletic disciplines from 41 sports as if they were mimes. So for oh. tennis, they were like holding a tennis racket and it was, uh, it was fascinating. Although they, they dropped the <laughs> badminton 
accidentally thing yeah accidentally oh. yeah it, it's uh there's a rich history here a great tradition when tokyo first hosted the olympics in 1964 the pictograms were first invented as a way to bridge the language barrier and easily identify sports <laughs> and venues <laughs> so i guess i think you can like identify a- <laughs> sports with seeing the actual athletes doing the sports you don't really need like or an just like the equipment I, I i mean so this i guess this was a callback to yeah. it but uh but it was all pretty terrible so yeah nope nope, nope, nope. To all that. <laughs> okay yeah. wait do i get to do some music or do you have one more I have one more. Yeah. Okay. Well, go ahead. I'm waiting. Okay. So we, you know, as we mentioned, we didn't record last week, but we'd be remiss if we did not address Jeff Bezos's trip to space, which followed Richard Branson's trip to space, which preceded Elon Musk's trip to space. Look, if they're not, they got to eat the dog food. If they're not going to risk their lives going up in their own rockets, then how can they expect anyone else to? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I wish they just went farther and stayed that's out one, there a little bit longer. Way of looking at it. <laughs> so, okay. So for those who missed it, the richest man in the world who pays like practically no taxes shot himself up into the sky <laughs> in a blue origin rocket that looks like a penis and then came out of it uh, 11 minutes later in a spacesuit and a cowboy hat and thanked everyone who uses Amazon for paying the $5 billion bill for this ridiculous dick measuring contest. And so he was joined on the rocket with his brother, Mark, um, 82-year-old Mary Wallace Wally Funk, which was cool. She completed the astronaut training as a member of the Mercury 13 Woman in Space program. So that was very cool. And then there was this little twerp, this 18-year-old <laughs> Dutch college student named Oliver Damon, whose dad paid like $26 million to shoot his son into space. <laughs> sort of nice. secretly hoping he wouldn't return, probably. Yes, <laughs> probably. So then they come back down to earth and jeff bezos gives some interviews in which he said that the space flight has really uh changed him and reinforced his commitment to addressing climate change and environmental issues like okay jeff that's that sounds good sure. what is the plan so and what's he, the and what's the connection right did he because you can't even see the earth the 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 level he wasn't even in orbit like whatever altitude he was at they say you can't see like the mystical like curve of the earth you can't see the earth oh interesting i did not know that but he was moved he was (laughs) something moved him (laughs) the spirit of of the earth and so he comes back down and has this you know epiphany about the environment and on msnbc he explains it a little bit further he says to host um stephanie rule that when you get up there and you see it You see how tiny it is and how fragile it is. We need to take all of our heavy industry, all of our polluting industry, and move it into space. What? Wait, wait, wait. Earth, this beautiful gem (laughs) that it is. So the big idea is to pollute space. (laughs) The big idea is to take to build factories in space, to put all the Amazon distribution centers in orbit. In space. Orbit. What is it gonna do? Like drop the drone and them things down but that's absolute ridiculous like exactly. for someone who built the greatest empire in the history of the earth for him to be off in la la land like that like what is he thinking he must have gotten some kind of air like lighter the than bends. air. <laughs> yeah he got the reverse bends <laughs> coming back or up or something like that that's lunacy I think he's losing it i think that's uh like 
the big like your grand epiphany while you're in orbit is that we should just pollute space like that's great that's great but my favorite thing about the whole journey is that this 18 year old dutch kid told jeff bezos while they were in orbit that he's never used amazon in his life <laughs> and like i've never heard of it <laughs> Like what a little punk awesome. ass kid. Like <laughs> awesome. No, that's exactly what Jeff Bezos deserves. Okay, can we shut that down? Yeah, shut <laughs> okay, it down. No, no absolutely okay. not. No more billionaires in space. No more no. billionaires. I'm done with these people. No, isn't a no. hundred million enough for you? Just you know, yeah, give, just... give me a hundred million. I'm done. I don't need to a billion. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, like... I don't have, to have a billion. I don't need a hundred billion. I don't need to go into space. No. Keep me on Earth. Keep like I'll, Earth. I'll help with things that that are relatable on this planet. There yeah. you go. Shut it down. Okay. okay. Um, summer music series. Here we go. Here we it go. Is, Here we go. Um, it is Liberian Girl by Michael Jackson. Now, uh, this song was written in 1983 and considered for inclusion in the Jackson's family album, the the Victory album, which had that torture song that we did last summer which is one of the worst songs and videos that we've covered here. But so it this was, wound up on the cutting was, room floor from it was rejected that abomination? From that album. <laughs> wow, okay, that written, explains a lot. It was written for that album, rejected. Then it was recorded in 1986, not included on any album, and then it was finally released in 1989 uh, on the Bad album, which you'll remember. Okay. So um, at this point, I usually give a little background on the singer because they're kind of obscure. So this is by this guy named Michael Jackson, who was born in Gary, Indiana. Uh, <laughs> and he had some hits through the 70s and 80s, and he had a pretty big album called Thriller at the beginning of the 80s. And then he had his follow-up. Uh, album called Bad. Um, and that's all you need to know about him because nothing, <laughs> nothing else happened. <laughs> featuring the single Bad. Um, <laughs> and the album was kind of bad, except for Man in the Mirror, which is one of the best pop songs ever written. Um, now, Liberian Girl was the ninth single from the Bad album. And it's so bad that it was not even released as a single in the United States, but it was released worldwide and it hit number four in Poland. <laughs> <laughs> number eight in Finland. Okay. So this is a big like Baltic. No accounting for this, taste. This is a big Baltic hit. Okay. <laughs> and Rachel, you said this, but I'll take credit for this line. This is not as much a song as it is a Robert Altman movie. It's, it's like it's, it's like it's, a miniature Robert Altman it's movie. It's literally yeah. not a song. It's like a bunch of mumbly, murmury, bland nothingness. And the video is just I'll talk I'll, I'll narrate it as I normally do, but you can't even hear the music because it's just random cameo people talking. Uh, random snippets of nonsensical conversation. And yet, despite this. Q Magazine, which is a big sort of music magazine, in its list of 1,001 best songs of all time, do you want to guess what they ranked it? It made the list. It made the list. 1,001 best songs of all time. What number do you think it was? 1,001? Correct. Okay. <laughs> it was... I don't know what methodology they used. What methodology did I use to guess that? <laughs> no, we... There really were only two numbers, one or a thousand and one, and you picked the right one. Okay. So obviously it's a critical favorite, except for the fact that um, 
I found this quote, the review from The Guardian, um, who ranked it as one of the test 10 worst videos of all time. And I will quote from this. They said, the master of pop video just came up by the time this one was due. A gratuitous overkill of cameo appearances by whatever celebrities of the day Jacko could buy. When Michael Jackson began throwing obscene money at people, this lot clearly forgot to duck. This lineup of decidedly unenthusiastic celebs then act terribly and talk crap over the top of the music wondering how on earth they managed to get pimped out like this and reminiscing about the days of Thriller until Jacko himself decides to show up at the end in some sort of disturbed practical joke that only he gets. Um, <laughs> I think that that is an accurate much description. It up. Okay, and then this is normally the point where I say I'm now going to play a clip to refresh your memory of what the song is since I'm sure you all know it once you hear it, but you will not all know it since you have never heard it. Um, but I'm going to play a clip anyway. You know, even, maybe, maybe you could have them rolled up with some kind of pull it, I could like, string that I could like pull them up. You know what we're supposed to be doing? Well, all I know is that Michael called me. I guess when he gets here, let me know what we're supposed to do. Oh, you want to play well here? Hey, Mikey. Okay, so as you could tell, this video is one big cameo of people mumbling incomprehensible things, and I can try and talk you through it, but I would really, I, really, I would just be leading a, reading a list of names, and the Wikipedia article actually has the list of names, and there's like 34 people in it, and I was looking at the list, and I was struggling to cross-reference with the video, which, you know, I watched like 20 times to figure out who was who, and then we watched it together, and you spotted some people that I didn't spot, so it's, it's really incredible. It put my video logging skills to the test because you know i used to be like a production assistant in television news and that was half yeah. my job was just sitting there watching watching uh video footage and writing down what happened at what time code that's basically what i do for this podcast and uh oh. I, I, I i admit defeat let me tell you what happened so it starts out with a black and white shot of like an african street scene and you hear a bird calling oh, call. and there's like merchants and a catholic priest holding a rosary and then this woman with 80s hair turns to the camera and starts chanting which maybe means something in Swahili or maybe doesn't, I don't know. Um, and then suddenly everything turns to color. They zoom out and we realize that we're on a movie set. And the woman starts dancing and the merchants around her start dancing. And then uh, who's the first appearance is George Jefferson, Sherman Helmsley. Do you remember the Jeffersons? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, okay. So that's a, that's a shock to the system. You're immersed. <laughs> You're in like, really? Yeah. <laughs> and there's George Jefferson, the dry cleaner, moving on up to the east side. And he's got his arms crossed and he's looking skeptically over his shoulder, like, what's going on here? And then we get Paula Abdul, who would appear as choreographing yeah. the dance. And she goes, five, six, seven, eight. Um, and then there's a shot of Carl Weathers, who's an actor-athlete. He says, it would be a blast if Michael asked me to dance. And then you pan, and he's sitting next to Whoopi Goldberg, who kind of mugs for the camera. Mm -hmm. And then they cut, and they're in some sort of a field hospital with a doctor and a patient sick in the bed. And there's this woman in a flowing white dress who's singing to a man. And they zoom in, and you realize it's Olivia Newton-John. And the man, who's 
back was turned towards you, turns around, and you realize it's John Travolta. John Travolta. These and are it's like a, big stars. It's like, a Grease they... reunion right here. And they sing to each other, Liberian girl, and he he pumps his, he's like fist singing, like when he goes, Sandy, baby. Yes, like but Liberian like, girl. Liberia girl. <laughs> and then there's a nanosecond of a shot of Corey Feldman. R.I.P. He's dead, right? Corey Feldman. Corey, F- no, he's al- he's oh, very Corey much alive. Oh, Corey Haim is dead. Corey, Corey Haim is Fe- dead. Corey, Corey Feldman's Feldman, alive. Long live and he's Corey wearing Haim. like an American Revolution outfit. Yeah, almost? like a tri-corner like- hat. Or it's a Michael Jackson outfit. I can't tell. And okay. then they cut back to Whoopi. <laughs> they cut back to Whoopi. And she goes, who's directing this? And they pan. And then there's the back of a director's chair with someone sitting in it. And it says Spielberg. And then and I'm Spielberg like, no, no, he wouldn't sell out for this bullshit. And sure enough, it's it's Steven, Steven Spielberg, fucking Spielberg, Spielberg sitting, sitting there. there, right? So then you have to you have to up the ante. They did Olivia and John and John Travolta, then up to Steven Spielberg, and then who do they cut to next? A even bigger star? No, Debbie Gibson. Uh, <laughs> At the time, long, though, long, we have to long think of Island, it in its context. Long Island's own Debbie Gibson. <laughs> And she's mumbling nonsense like she's moving. She's like, then they were like pulling them up. It's like a, you know, a dreamscape here. And then Jasmine Guy, the actress, is is walking with some other woman who I can't tell who it is. And they're like eating from craft services. And now the little snippets, it's like we talked about last week. It's like, uh, you know, pointillism. I'm beginning to get the sense that the plot here is such that there is one, is that Michael Jackson asked all of these a-list celebrities to be on the set so that they could perform in this music video, but he's nowhere and then to didn't be found. Show up. He didn't yeah. show up, and they're like, "Where is Michael? He, had, he should have asked me to dance." So then this becomes more explicit. They have uh, Ricky Schroeder of uh, then of Silver Spoons, subsequently of NYPD Blue. Right? Um, he says, "Hey, and now lately harassing people in um, Costco about masks." <laughs> I didn't know that. Is he an anti-masker? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good for He's you. He's really had quite a good career trajectory. For, good for you, Ricky. I'm glad you made something of yourself. <laughs> and he goes, hey, is Michael here? And he points to someone that he thinks is um, is Michael Jackson. And again, just like with Steven Spielberg, you see the back of the person with like long curly hair. And then you pan around and it's not Michael Jackson. It's Weird Al Yankovic. Um and then yes. he says, no, but I think Bubbles is here. Bubbles the Chimp, who is uh, Michael Jackson's famous best friend, other than Macaulay Culkin, was Macaulay Right, and, and who Bubbles. was Bubbles with? I forgot. Who's Bubbles? Well, was, was that uh, with? Was, uh, oh, no, it was it's with weird. Suzanne Summers. was yes. with Suzanne Summers from Three's <laughs> Company. Because in other, in other venues, in real life, <laughs> Bubbles was often seen with Liz Taylor. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but that is a different plot line. He could not coerce Elizabeth well, Taylor. Wasn't Bubbles in. like the ring bearer in their wedding? In his <laughs> wedding? I'm going to say, think of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Bubbles played Gollum in Long Lord of the didn't he like marry Liz Taylor or like who did he no, marry? No, he or married Liz that Taylor? woman that he had Prince with. I forget Debbie <laughs> Boone. Debbie, <laughs> it was Debbie something. But Liz Taylor was somehow involved. She was like the officiant or something. <laughs> it was at the Church of the Internet. So Suzanne <laughs> Summers is now talking to Bubbles the Chimp and pointing at the set, and she goes, "And there's one of the Cosby Kids, and there's the Incredible Hulk." 
And then they cut to Lou Ferrigno, who was the Incredible Hulk at that point more than 10 years earlier. And then they cut to Don King, of course, who says, man, you should see my hair in the morning before I wash it. And then you pull out and you see that he's talking to Don King Jr., who is like a small child with the same exact gray hairstyle. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And then apropos of nothing, we see David Copperfield, the showman magician, levitating and sitting cross-legged. Then for no reason, there's a bench with Billy D. Williams talking to Lou Diamond Phillips and... They're mumbling about something I don't know. These are hot stars, though. If you think (laughs) about this time period, like the budget on this video, like... I bet it surpassed Thriller, which was it the co- most expensive video of I'll all time. I'll tell you time. what it cost. It, it cost every favor that Michael Jackson had ever to call in because I don't think he paid a for dime what? for this for video. Liberian Girl? Like, why would he, like, never has no, so it was much been wasted record, on so little? So the, the, the record label Columbia or whoever said, Michael, you have to support this song with the video it's going to be big in poland and we, <laughs> and we need a video for mtv poland and he's like fine but i'm not paying a penny for it and then he's like you know billy d williams get on the set lou ferrigno get on the set bubbles right. bubbles you're coming too um Paul abdul come on and maybe he just was like i'll throw you guys a party this was a party. Out. I'd love to be yeah. on that set. I, I bet yeah. that was one hell of a party. Debbie Gibson could sing. <laughs> Paula Abdul <laughs> Only could in dance. my dreams. <laughs> it would be a show. Maybe he was onto something. Anyway, let me wrap up the, the, the rundown here. So <laughs> then you see the, so now we're all looking for Michael Jackson. Where is he? And you see the feet of someone who's kind of dancing and maybe they're moonwalking, but that they pan up, um, tilt up. And it's George Jefferson again, who's trying to moonwalk. <laughs> Another red that. herring. <laughs> George Jefferson, such a high-impact cameo, we had to see him twice. And then there's Richard Dreyfus, the acclaimed, very serious actor. Oh, yeah, and he's like on a boat or He's something? like a sea captain at the wheel. <laughs> like, and like, he, where does that fit in here? None of it fits in. <laughs> um, and, and it's not on an African market like yeah it's it's as out of context as anything so then he goes exactly which michael jackson are we talking about and there's with some little girl who's probably his daughter and then there's danny glover singing and we're back to weird al playing the accordion and then everyone stops because there's a police siren and then a motorcycle roars in and like it's like the whole party's gonna get broken up and he takes off the helmet and it's dan Aykroyd, who's like a cameo Mm -hmm. he'll be a cameo in everything like he was in every cameo in the in the 1980s and then i didn't notice this but you did when we watched it together another cop comes up and i'm like i don't even know who that person is but they really linger on him as if you should know who it is of course it's it's steve gutenberg it was steve gutenberg recently catapulted to stardom in short circuit and short circuit (laughs) too yes he was the hottest (laughs) star of that time who's johnny right exactly um and then dan Aykroyd's there and he points up and they all start pointing up as if a god is descending from the heavens and sure enough it is a god because coming down on a camera crane is michael jackson with the camera looking into the viewfinder giggling girlishly like he does and And he goes and he winking and he goes okay everybody that's a wrap it's this whole set prank it's a big prank prank. right he he (laughs) it's a what what (laughs) he pulled a prank what did the review call it he said uh 
he called it uh, some sort of disturbed practical joke that only he gets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so then there's there's a lit in this list of people that's in Wikipedia are all the people I didn't see even. So um, I just noticed Rosanna Arquette was in it um, yeah. and who I'll come back to later in this podcast um you spotted steve gutenberg also in it you spotted was mayim bialik yes i was i was looking for her as a grown woman from big bang theory but no she was blossom right where was six i was looking for quincy (laughs) jones was in this jackie quincy yes that's who it was in the beginning talking to paul abdul oh talking to paul abdul right and uh and jackie collins was in it i think i would recognize jackie collins Oh, she's the one. Yes, she's the one that you asked me, who is that? And I was like, I feel like I know, but I'm not sure. And that's Jackie Collins. Oh, okay. There you go. So <laughs> this was, I don't know if I did it justice. This is maybe the most visual of our of our, our summer music series. You might have to go watch this. It's um, not so much about the music. It's about the, the video in this it's, one. It's, it's there, not even about the video. It's really about like being, immer- it's like one of those immersive experiences. It's you're being immersed in the world of B-list 1980s celebrities. So A-list, no, like, well, some yes. of them, I guess. Yeah, Debbie Gibson, A-list. I guess. Right. So, Gutenberg. if you ever uh, want, if you ever wondered what it was like to be alive in the 1980s, if you weren't, watch this video, and you will see it through the demented lens of Michael Jackson's cameras. Yes. This video and song is a nope. A total nope. <laughs> Let's nope. get to the ups. These little rays of light, little beacons of hope that got us through the week. Rachel, what do you have? I'm so happy about my up this week. Um, it is The White Lotus on HBO Max. Are you watching this show? No, but it's been recommended to me. It's amazing. It's created by Mike White, who also did my favorite canceled show of all time, Enlightened, which, Brian, I don't think you've watched that one yet either, but it's excellent. Um, Well, the White Lotus follows these rich people on vacation at a fancy resort in Hawaii. It was shot at the Four Seasons in Maui, I think, Mm -hmm. but the the resort looks beautiful. And... um, Mike White actually lives in Hawaii. And one performance I want to call out is that of Jennifer Coolidge, who is one of our greatest living actresses. And she plays this eccentric alcoholic who went to Hawaii to dispose of the ashes of her mother. And she steals every scene she's in. And I'm still like just trembling with excitement after seeing her in episode three so i'm i'm just i'm all in and it uh there were only three episodes in and it comes out on sunday nights on hbo max so can't wait can't wait uh mine is a film that i was inspired to rewatch. it's another 80s callback uh i was walking some night this weekend with a friend through soho after hours and it was you know remarkably desolate and he said this reminds me of the film after hours have you seen after hours i've seen after hours Hours. Yes. So yes. it's uh, it's uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's from 1985. It's about a guy that a very conservative, like button down guy who goes downtown to have a meet a girl and it gets caught up in this kind of madcap lunacy of all the crazy people that used to inhabit Scorsese, downtown right? And it is Martin Scorsese who made it because he was so frustrated that he couldn't make Last Temptation of Christ, which he uh-huh. then later made. So he made this like off the wall indie film. 
it is so thought provoking. It like it's a slow burn and it accelerates. And listen to this cast. So Griffin Dunn is the guy, um, but the he meets these like series of women, each of whom is like stranger than the last. So it's Linda Fiorentino, Rosanna Arquette. Terry mm-hmm. Gar, Catherine O'Hara from Schitt's Creek. Oh my God. And just like a million people. And it's so like literally I was I was going online and reading like film criticism essays about it afterwards. Oh yeah, it's it just, incredible. It's uh if I were a cinephile like you and Josh are, I would uh rewatch it many Josh times. Josh loves it. Yeah, it's one of his faves. Good. Well, let's make that our next date night. Since okay. We haven't seen each other in person in two years. Well, <laughs> next time we see each other, we'll race straight to after hours. So anyway, okay. So that's the end of the podcast this week. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and tell your friends in real life. Um, been a terrible two weeks, but it's been a really fun podcast to record. Thank you for listening. This has been Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Mm-hmm.